It's going to take me about 20 minutes. I'll make you a great putter. And we're back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm your co-host, Evan Singer. We've got our other co-host, Matt Cermak. And Cermak is fired up because this is the episode I think he was looking forward to maybe the most. What's up, Evan? Always good to be back. Very fired up. An absolutely incredible episode. Second time guest. Dr. Joe Parent, one of our all-time favorite guests, one of our most popular episodes, 133, the first time he came on. But we've been getting requests to do a putting episode with Dr. Joe, and we finally got it. But before we get to that, guys, if your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, especially on the greens, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything or through bad putts. We'll get to that. The Part Train Podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Torpos, best-selling author, CEO, sports psychologist like Dr. Joe today, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of The Part Train, like every episode, is presented by Roback Activewear. They just dropped new vests. It was under 50 degrees today in LA. Vests, wow. you got to layer. Everything's stretchy, perfect for layering. Roback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off. If you forget that code, we just got a DM, literally, while Sir Mac ran to the bathroom before we recorded this intro, I got a DM that says, hey, what was that code again? If you forget, go to our Instagram at the par train, tap the link in the bio, tap that link. It'll auto apply in your cart. Same thing for the show notes of this episode. Tap that link in the show notes. It'll auto apply. If it, the discount doesn't work, you probably need to enter a new email. You didn't hear it from us. So thank you to Roback as always. The best active wear in the game, best hoodies in the world and the vests. They got new colors. I would check them out. Guys, get okay. the white vest and have your best day. <laughs> he loves saying that. So, sir, before we talk about this episode really quick, I just wanted to say this is going to sound, don't make fun of me, but okay. I almost got a little emotional halfway through the episode because when wow. we started, I was thinking back to episode 133. And when I was thinking back to 133, when we had Dr. Joe Perrin on the show, that was a real big moment for us and me personally, because reading Zen golf kind of started all of this for me. It made me realize, holy shit, all this stuff I'm learning in my life, I can practice on the golf course and it'll actually make me a better golfer. Right. The fact that he came back on and it felt very like, oh, an old friend. Yeah. Really you know, and I've led a training with him now and we can have him on as many times as we'd probably want. I mean, he's so generous with his time, but we're not a peer, but it kind of feels like we are in this space, I just had a lot of gratitude this past 40 minute interview because it, I think it shows how far we've come. Yeah. And the fact that we can just have a conversation with a guy like this so casually and so focused on something that so many people care about, which is putting, it made me feel very grateful. So I just wanted to no, share. I, no, I agree hundred percent with you. We feel really lucky, grateful to just Dr. Joe Parent, you know, one of the, the best, if not the best, in his field, as it comes to, you know, golf, sports, psychology, the putting, the mental game, and to just have him back and say, hey, we want to have this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And this conversation, have, which we've been getting a lot of requests about, is about putting. Yeah. And so there's guys you're going to love, you're really going to love this episode. It's kind of uh, not a quick hitter. We were about, we did about 40 to 45 minutes focusing on putting. We talked a lot about my struggles this year. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about some things that changed your game because you work, never worked harder your short game than this year? Mm -hmm. I always find him just so fascinating because he, he's always challenging our language, our words, 
it just makes you think about how you need to approach putting, how you approach the mental game. But there's a lot of takeaways, Ab. Wouldn't you agree? Like, oh yeah, guys, you can start working on tomorrow, and there's nobody better than Dr. Joe Farron. My mid-range putting, especially. So yeah, well, it just shows the power of language, and I know yeah. we get caught up in our struggles, and we make statements as if they're foregone conclusions and the truth, but really, they're not serving us as much as it could. And the point of this episode is to remove pressure you're putting on yourself on the greens. I don't care if it's a two footer or if it's an eight footer. Well, now remember we can't remove it, but just how to effectively deal with it. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm but we like can, Dr. Joe Barrett right there. Right? Well, like there's that. always pressure, but yeah. I think the point is, is that pressures of situations are there, but they don't have to impact us as much as they do. And we could potentially, just by the language we use and the way we're looking at a putt, could add a ton of interference that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Maybe interference is a better word. Last thing I'll say, one of the things I love so much about talking with him is you understand what he's telling you. He's simple in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Teachers aren't. It's so translatable. Guys, I think you're just going to absolutely love this episode. Like what a thrill for us to have him back and to get deep into putting. And I think this conversation is going to continue. Yeah. And we didn't even give people context. Dr. Joe Perrin, if you don't know him, author, best-selling author of Zen Golf, How to Make Every Putt, Zen Putting. He famously taught Vijay Singh when he became number one in the world, as well as Christy Kerr, number one in the world in LPGA. Not many coaches have coached number one players in both PGA Tour and LPGA Tour. He tells some stories on tour that I think will blow your mind, including about Jack Nicklaus. Just just casually hanging out with Jack. Yeah. So. Yeah. So incredible. make sure you listen to the end. Dr. Joe's the best. He even said he does Zoom lessons for putting. So if you listen to this, give Dr. Joe a call at zengolf.com or drjoeparent.com. So we thank Doc for always coming back. And no matter how you're putting it, sir, no matter how, I guess, fearful you are on the greens, what do they got to do? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. And if we've added any value, I forgot to say, give us a review at Apple Podcasts and Spotify and throw us a follow at The Par Train. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are the three blessed places to do it. We post content there every day, multiple times a day to keep your mental game strong and reduce the suffering out there. Doc said that at the end. Hopefully through golf, we can suffer less and enjoy more and just enjoy the just ride. Just have some fun. Enjoy the ride. All right, guys. Take care. It is my absolute pleasure. Dr. Joe Parent, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite episodes. Welcome back aboard the part train, Doc. We're excited to have you. Thanks. Nice to be aboard again. Doc, people DM us all the time and ask, what's your favorite episode, Evan Serm? What should we start with? And besides our episode 200 and 100 that we recapped our eight favorite sound bites, which you're usually a part of, I usually say episode 133 with you because this is what you're all about right you give people nuggets but you give people practical paths Mm -hmm. to put them into practice it's not just philosophy it's actual step-by-step absolutely you know when i wrote zen golf it wasn't a theory it was a collection of stories from lessons that i gave and the the instruction that came out of that and going even further people also say hey I just found you guys a couple months ago. I'm really struggling with my putting. Do you have anything specifically about putting? And I realized we need to bring Doc back because one of my favorite books, 
Here it is right here. How to make every putt. This used to be in my trunk. I used to keep this in my trunk just in case I needed to read a couple pages before I walk in. And how to make every putt change the way I think about putting. And I'm excited for people to learn about it today. Doc, what I love the most about the mental game in the mind is how a simple word choice, a simple word change can transform tentativeness and stress to total freedom. And one example of that, and if people ask me, the biggest takeaway I took from your book, How to Make Every Putt, is the difference and the slight shift from holding putts to making putts. And I think to get dialed in and feel and just start seeing results without really efforting to, I think that's the best place to start. I want you to expand on that and okay. help our listeners understand that difference and how they can make every putt. Yes. Thank you. And that's a chapter in Zen Golf. And that's how it started. It actually started with a pro that I was working with who was getting ready for qualifying school, which he had tried 12 times before, only made to the finals once and shot over par. I met him. We got on the course. He said, "How you know, putting. I said, it's going to take me about 20 minutes. I'll make you a great putter. <laughs> Obviously, as a pro, he already had plenty of skills. We worked for those 20 minutes. He played six rounds at qualifying school. This is when you could go straight to the PGA Tour when you made it to finals. Did not bogey a par four, did not three putt, did not miss any putts in six rounds inside six feet. So this works. Evan, we did a clinic together, a, a Zoom clinic together, which I hope we'll do again sometime. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And the first thing I do is I ask people what their job is in putting. They say to put the ball in the hole. So I say, okay, so I put a ball down about four feet away from the hole. And I say, boy, I really, I really want to make this one. And so I, I pick the ball up and I put it in the hole. Am I allowed to do that? And they said, no, you can't do that. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Okay. <laughs> I really want, I really want this one to go in. So I put my putter right behind the ball and then I shovel it all the way until it goes in the hole. I say, yeah, man, there we go. Got it. I said, can I do that? They said, no. I said, well, you're making me a little crazy because you told me my job is to put the ball in the hole. And now you're telling me I'm not allowed to put the ball in the hole. And, and that's what makes golfers crazy because they think their job is to put the ball in the hole, but they're not allowed to put the ball in the hole. And they say, well, how do I get this one in? There is no how, because you're not allowed to. What are you allowed to do? You're allowed to get it started. Okay, so now I say, what is the usual definition for making a putt? And this is what you connected with, Evan. Yep. What's the usual definition for making the putt? And they say, putting the ball in the hole. I say, well, that's, that's a problem because you're not allowed to put the ball in the hole. So let's change the definition. The ball going in the hole is holding the putt or sinking the putt if you want to talk about it that way. But to make the putt, what you are allowed to do is get it started. And if you get it started the way you want, you made your putt. Then it's the ball's job to find the hole. So the components of making a putt are did you get it started in the direction you wanted? People usually say on the line you wanted. A line's pretty thin, so I like to say, did you get it started on the path you intended? 
you don't know if it's the right one because putting is a guessing game and we'll get into that a little later but you, you make your best guess and it did you get it started on the one you chose check that's one did you like the pace that it started at did you get it started on the pace that you judged and you guessed was the right pace for the putt check did you feel like you put a good roll on it that it came off the sweet spot of the putter and had that nice we call it end over end roll there's no end to a golf ball but <laughs> that's what we call it you know where if you have a line on it the line stays nice and sharp okay you put a good roll on it then you did all you can do to give the ball the best chance for going in the hole which means you made the putt i have another expression that i and that is did you like the way it left did you love the way it left oh man i love the way that i started that putt then you made it yeah you should feel good about it i think yeah. you've described it doc as almost a relay race i did you're and handing the, the baton yeah. off that's that's right so let's get into that it's you and the ball right and if you are running a two-person relay race your job if you run the first leg is to run it the best you can and then make a good handoff of the baton and once you've handed the baton off how do you help your partner all you can do is cheer root for it you know after you send the ball on its way all you can do is root for it then i asked okay so if you're going to hand off the baton does it help if you don't trust your partner and you hold on to the baton and run along with them no that's not good everybody says no that's not gonna help does it help if you don't trust your partner and and you're looking at the finish line while you're handing off the baton whoops you're thinking about the hole while you're stroking the putt not thinking about the hole as far as imagining the putt which we like to do but worrying about whether it's going to go in or not that doesn't help you drop the baton if you're looking at the finish line and finally if you don't trust your partner and you handle the baton off and then you give them a shove to, to get them going that's not going to help so all you want to do is make a good handoff and then root for them so for putting you're just trying to make a good handoff a transfer of energy from the putter to the ball get it started the way you wanted and you've done your job that's it that's how you build confidence because from eight feet away or farther on the PGA Tour, it's 50% or less. So you're going to miss half of your putts. Do you want your confidence based on missing putts? No. You want your confidence based on how well you get them started. And that's why you can make every putt. You're probably not going to hold every putt, but you could make every putt. You could like the way you got every putt started. That's really the secret to great putting. Well, Doctor, that's a really good segue. And again, welcome back to the show. I, I've got to talk about my game a little bit here. I, I've traditionally been a, known as a, hey, I'm a pretty good putter. But this summer, I really struggled with mid-range putting, right? Eight feet. I don't know what's classified eight feet to maybe 18 feet. Whatever is mid-range in your mind. Right, right. And specifically putting for birdie. I love your definition of just got, you know, there's a way to make the putt and that's doing what you're, you're doing, what you're, you committed to your plan and you did it. So often this year, just like really poor strokes, right? Coming up on it. A lot of attachment, I think, to the making the birdie. You mean holding the putt? Holding the putt. You don't yeah. mean making. So <laughs> it's hard to change language, especially when it's all on TV. You know, what's the make percentage? The make percentage on the, on the PGA Tour, 
the make percentage on every putt on the PGA Tour is in the high 90%. They make the putt they intend most of the time. As a friend of mine from Texas said, they get a little gunched up coming down the stretch. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw the Bermuda tournament, but the guy got a little gunched up on his short putts. But in overall, it's in the high 90s. That's the make percentage. The whole percentage goes down as the distance increases. This is what I don't do well. You talk about two inches in front of the ball. On my long putts, I seem to have a good plan there with picking a spot right in front of me just to get it started. And on the short putts, I'm okay there too. But these mid-range putts, I kind of don't know what I'm looking at. And I'm too, then I become too obsessed with making the putt or holding the putt, excuse me, sinking the putt. Yes. And sure. I just hit more bad strokes, right. more coming up out of it. And like, Jesus, they no no chance. So help me. I'm playing Sunday because I said we got good weather here in Chicago. Right. Something's got to something's got to change here. Understood. You said you do a good job on the longer putts, and then you forget to on the those intermediate ones. Yeah. There's an old comedian who said, "I went to my doctor, and he said my neck hurts when I do that." And the doctor said, "Don't do that. Stop doing that." <laughs> <laughs> so. so, so you're changing your perspective. Now, you said the ones that really give you trouble are the ones for birdie. Yeah. And that's because how much you really want it to go in. But there's hope, okay? This is what gets in the way a lot. There's hope on one side, but then there's fear on the other. If I really go for it and I hit it too far by, I might three putt, and that would be really embarrassing. Hope, Absolutely. hope I hold it, fear I... I mess it up. Hope, fear, hope, fear, hope, fear. And they escalate and vibrate to the point where you're like, mm. okay, I want to describe a putt to you. 12 feet from the hole, okay? Slight break from left to right, pretty level. Is that for birdie, par, or bogey? You just okay. cut out. Say that again. So No, I, did, I didn't cut out. Yeah. Your mind cut out. Is it for birdie, par, or bogey? It should be for none of them, right? Yeah, see? <laughs> what does it, it matter? <laughs> it doesn't, what it's for doesn't exist in reality. What exists in reality is a ball, a certain stretch of grass, and a hole. And that's all. And when you add what it's for, you're adding more on. And when you add more on, you're putting like a moron. Stay away from moron putting. We can't stop the thoughts, but how do I, what's the practice here? What do I need to practice? Okay. The, mind so what, practice. What you, yeah. what you, the first thing you need to do is say, okay, I can't stop those thoughts. And there's a chapter in Zen golf called dive under the waves. If you've ever done body surfing, the waves are coming in and you don't want to fight them. You dive under the waves and come up on the other side. And it's quiet under there. The waves are still going above you but it's quiet under there. The waves are going up here, right? Oh, I really want to make this, oh boy, I don't want to, I, I better not go after it too hard, but then I don't want to leave it short, but you know, drop your energy down, take a breath, drop it down and say, those are waves, I'm in the ocean. Drop down and feel your, your body and your core, right? Breathe it down, feel the ground under your feet, okay? And say, what's my process? My goal is to do my process the best I can and then see what happens. Somebody asked Tiger Woods, 
when he was at his best. In fact, I think it was right after he won the U.S. Open in 2008 on a broken leg. And he said, look, you had a 25-foot putt on a crusty green late in the afternoon, and you had to hold it to make the playoff. How do you do it? And you've done it before. How do you do those clutch putts? And they said, he said, here's what I do. I read it the best I can. I get the best feel for the pace that I can. I put as good a stroke on it as I can, and then I see what happens. So that's your process. And just do the check mark. Read it the best you can and just say, okay, that's the line I'm choosing, and I'm committing to that come hell or high water. All right, guys, the train's going to make a quick stop. Please stay in your seat. Keep those seatbelts fashioned, and then we'll get you right back on track, I promise. So I just polled a lot of you guys on Instagram this week, and I asked, hey, what's a bigger issue for you with golf? Is it muscle soreness and pain, or is it chafage below the equator? And 80% of you said muscle soreness. Well, I got good news for you. Our friends at Oars and Alps just dropped their muscle recovery bomb. And it's this beautiful little compact roll-on that's kind of like old school Icy Hot, but it's cleaner, okay? It's none of those harsh chemicals. All you got to do is roll it on your neck, shoulders, back, quads, biceps, anywhere you feel sore or tight, and you'll get an instant relief of cooling sensation followed by warmth. It's clear, it's non-greasy, it's non-sticky, and it's scented with a calming combination of lavender and sage. Are you kidding me? I feel like I'm in a spa right now. So go to oarsandalps.com, enter the code TRAIN, Get yourself 15% off. And a little pro tip, okay? Most of these codes are first-time usage. So if you're going to go into Oars and Ops and get yourself some muscle recovery bomb, you might as well get yourself a aluminum-free deodorant. My favorite is the Bergamot Grove scent. I also love the Mandarin Woods if you have sensitive skin. But they've got every kind of flavor there, any type of scent you like. Um, the best deodorant in the market. None of the harsh chemicals. No aluminum. But they also got a million other things. They've got skincare, body care, hair care. I love the thickening spray. I wore it during my wedding, actually. Amazing stuff on oarsandalps.com. Enter the code TRAIN. Get yourself 15% off. All right, let's get this train back on the tracks. I remember I always felt like I had something that my playing partners didn't. Where everybody is thinking, I got to make this for the hole, for the match, for the birdie. Whatever it is, saving the birdie. I always remind people and myself to change my job, like you say, Doc, because if my job is to make a 12 footer, that's pretty tough. But if my job is to roll this ball over a two inch spot in front of me, you asked us on our last podcast, can you do that? Of course. Of course I can. So that's a really fun way too of instead of putting pressure on something you can't control, because we've all made perfect putts that don't go in, we've all made Healy or toey putts that do well let's go through the steps first okay yeah and then and we'll do it and and the important thing is to go through it in steps and you say okay because you want to check mark off you don't want to be thinking about your line and questioning your line while you're stroking the putt and once you've set the putter i was with a friend of mine a pro teaching pro actually he's a touring pro who won several tournaments. And right then he was pushing and pulling his putts a little bit. And I said, I have a very deep instruction for you. He said, what's that? He, I said, hit it where the putter's pointing. So wherever you set that putter down and whether you pick a spot two inches in front or a foot in front, or you see, or you just can imagine the path you want it to start on, you just set that putter on that path 
And once you've set the putter, that's it. That's why I said come hell or high water. You're going to hit it where the putter's pointing. And when I say the putter's pointing, perpendicular to the face, often there's a little line on there. Wherever that line on the putter's pointing, that's where you're going. Then you don't have to think about it anymore. And you focus on pace. You look at the distance to the hole, uphill, downhill, and get a really good image. I've stopped using visualization and start using imagination. Mm -hmm. People say, I can't visualize. I said, but can you imagine something? Yeah, I imagine things all the time. And imagining includes all the senses. I can imagine what it's going to sound like when it goes in the hole. Can you see what it's going to, can you visualize what it's going to sound like? No. <laughs> so instead of visualizing, I said, imagine the way the putt's going to roll and how it's going to track and how it's going to go in the hole. Just imagine that. When you imagine that, you get a sense of how hard you need to, uh, how big a stroke, I don't like hard, how big a stroke you need to make to send it there. A feel, you get the feel. And then read down, you know the stroke you want to put on it because whatever practice stroke you've made, if you even make a practice stroke, you just say, now let's send it down and send it rather than hit at the ball. Mm. You're going to send it down the line. And sending has an action that send, goes that way. Hitting stops at the ball. That's when you decel. So send it over my mark or down the line I'm imagining. And then it goes. Now, you said you get distracted by thinking about what it's for and all of that stuff. At that point, get out of the batter's box. Yeah. Just say, okay, my goal is to do my process and see what happens. That's it. And now exactly. I, I want to feel good about how this leaves. Because if I don't feel good about how it leaves, chances are I'm not going to feel good about how it ends up. Might be one of those weird ones where I misread it and mishit it, but those don't happen that often. And as Evan said, even if you roll a, quote, perfect putt, Peltz did a study years and years ago on a beautifully manicured green using a mechanical ramp. A human being, you set the ball in the ramp, and after that, there's no human touch. A button's pushed, the ball rolls down the ramp, it was arranged for a, a slight break on a 12-foot putt. And they rolled 10 balls, and only seven of them went in the hole. Because it's not a perfect surface. You can't control everything that happens to the ball after it leaves. All you can control is how it leaves. So what happens if it doesn't do what you thought? You love the way it left, you made your putt, and you go, whoa, well, that, that didn't get close to the hole. What's going on? Or... That was way short of what I expected or way long of what I expected. Okay, if you made your putt and it didn't do what you thought, it's a learning opportunity. First thing you do is go, well, I made the putt. I wouldn't change what I did, except as far as how I stroked it. But what did I look around? What didn't I see that I needed to observe? Or what did I see that wasn't there? You know, a lot of people have straight putts that they just can't imagine a straight putt. And it's hard. And they say, I got, there's got to be some break to it. So they imagine some break to it. Very often people don't see the break that exists near a bunker. Well, bunkers are designed so that water doesn't run through them because that's how the architect designs it. You don't want gullies of water running through your bunker if it rains. 
So they're, the lip's a little higher. And when you're coming out of a bunker, you're throwing sand onto the green. So they're being top dressed all day long. So it raises it up a hole near a bunker. You might not notice that there's, it breaks away from the bunker. So you see it and you go, oh, right, now I remember. And you look for that next time. If there's a creek on one side and a hill on the other, and you were just focused on the putt because you wanted it to go in so much, you didn't see the big picture. Right. And it's the last few feet of the putt that makes the biggest difference because when it's rolling the slowest, that's when gravity or grain affects it the most. So that's the most important part of the putt. I read putts backwards. I want to see how the hole wants to receive it. I move around. I don't stand straight behind the hole. I move around to see where it wants to come in from that general direction. I see a point on the hole that becomes the effective center, not the center from the ball's point of view, but the effective center from receiving the ball. And then I track it back. Where does it need to come in from there? I even have a picture of, I lined up a whole bunch of balls, like an action track, and they're closer near the hole because they're going slower. And it curves a lot there and a little bit in the middle and hardly at all at the beginning. And that's how you need to imagine your putts rolling straight for a while, starting to take the curve and then really taking it a lot at the end. Obviously, our brains are designed to help us survive, not necessarily thrive. So let's think about a golfer who has missed a ton of short putts. And all our brain wants us to do is not have that happen again because of the pain, the embarrassment that we create out of that, right? So a lot of those types of golfers can get very gun shy and they start creating even more interference around that same scenario and end up making it a thing. That's when the word yip comes in and all of these labels that we put on it. So for someone that heard that process, Mm -hmm. but they're still surrounded by the pain of the past. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person in regards to short putts that I think is probably the most common scenario that people create this thing around because we tell ourselves they should be made? Yes. We have a saying in psychology to stop shooting all over yourself. Yeah. So I I always, when somebody uses that, I said, please change the letters SH into a C. Yeah. You know, I could make this one rather than I should make this one because should, I should make this. And if I don't, there's something wrong with me. And so it always comes back much deeper than it needs to. All right. So the, the way out of that is to use a practice stroke. And one of the things that, uh, that I have found that's a universal in putting, there are two universals in putting. One is to hold your finish. Wherever the putter goes forward, wherever it stops, hold that there. Most people recoil, whoop, and then it comes back a little mm-hmm. bit. Sometimes whoop and drop it straight down or whoop and lift it up. But hold the finish. Wherever it goes, hold the finish. And then the second universal is hold your posture. Right. Mm. Because if you lift your head to look, your target side shoulder comes back and everything goes out of whack. So what you do is you turn your chin underneath, hold the finish and then turn under to track. Mm. If you're going to hold the finish on a short putt, you know, you're only taking it back a couple inches and through a couple of inches. And so what you do is you make a practice stroke right next to the ball and hold the finish. 
Another one, hold the finish, set it to the ball, and then say, I'm not caring about the ball. I'm not caring about the hole. I'm, my only job is to take it back and get to that same finish. And then you take the fear that's associated at impact that makes you flinch at impact. Yeah. The fear of it not going in the hole. They go in the background because your job is to get that putter to stop right where you intended. You know, on a four foot level putt on a decent green, you don't have to worry about the speed very much. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then I'll get you right back to the show. Guys, in case you didn't know, I don't talk about it that often. I do mental coaching in addition to the podcast. And I've had golfers from scratch all the way to 12s and above. And if you want to take your mental game from listening to this show to the next level, get one-on-one help. We'll put you on a plan, especially if you use mental golf type. I'm a certified coach with mental golf type. We can take your game to the next level. Go to thepartrain.com slash golf mental coaching or just email us at thepartrain at gmail.com. Give us a shout. We can have an introductory chat and figure out what you need to work on to get your game to the next level. Get off that struggle bus and get back on track. So thepartrain.com slash golf mental coaching. Give us a shout. Let's get your game to the next level. All right, let's get back to the show. I had a question around what you consider non-negotiable fundamentals and a little more around, I guess, the mechanics of the stroke or the setup. As we know, you know, Jack was crouched over, Tiger's vertical. There's a lot of ways to do it, but you mentioned stick, I'll call it stick to finish and keeping the chin and the head in your posture. Are there any other one or two things that for our listeners, like, hey, I need to understand fundamentals. Like, I got to do this Um, as I work on my putty. There are no gottas. It's the most idiosyncratic thing that you can you can imagine, right? People take an open stance, a closed stance, a square stance. Jack started with his shoulders open, and he basically shoved the ball towards the hole. Right. That that's what he did. I was at a, a clinic with him for the mental game. You'll find this really interesting from Jack's point of view. I was at a clinic with him just a few years ago, just before COVID. I think he was demonstrating putting. And it was terrible. He wasn't getting it anywhere near the hole. And he was saying, you know, and, and on uh, right to left putts, I like to, you know, close my stance a little, swing out a little left to right. It was like he was playing full swing shots. I was going, Jack, please stop telling people that. Please, please <laughs> don't tell me. And then, and then they said, but Jack, you know, the, nobody asked because nobody's going to say, what, well, how come they're not going in? Now, here's Jack is the flip. This isn't for anything. If I was playing in a tournament, all of these would go in. And basically, he willed putts in through his mental toughness, independent of technique. It it did not matter. He just saw, he he imagined how it was going to go in, and he fulfilled his imagination. And that's the power of of the mental game. But for us mortals... Holding the finish. I'd rather you didn't use stick the finish because there's a, a certain sense of Tension uh, maybe speed, speed yeah. and and stopping. Yeah, I can see that. It, it's your ordinary stroke. Wherever it wherever it stops, hold it there. Yeah. Okay? Because we don't want to go hard to that finish. But wherever it stops, just hold the finish. 
The only other thing that I worked with a group who now does something called the Zen uh, Green Stage. They they make putting greens that are adaptable. They were working with the sports and motion, the monitors. One thing they found, which was interesting, if you hold the shape of a capital Y, right, which is the shaft is the bottom and your two arms going into it are the two parts of the top of the Y, two arms going in and then the shaft straight down. If you hold that shape and don't use your wrists at all in good posture with your shoulders parallel to the line you want the ball to go on, if your left shoulder goes straight down and straight up, the path of the putter is perfect. What happens is people, the left shoulder goes down, but then it goes back. So it's going to really feel like it goes towards, for right-handers, it's going to feel like it goes down and then goes up towards your ear. You'll almost feel a little pinch at your your right ribs. This is, again, for right-handers. Lefties, you can transpose this. Mm-hmm. And there's a little pinch at the right ribs, and the left shoulder goes up, and the putter comes slightly to the inside and up as it comes back, back to square, and slightly to the inside and up as it goes through. One of the things that Peltz taught that I think is detrimental to putting is the straight back and straight through. Yeah. Not good because if you were a two-dimensional being, sure, straight back and straight through, but you're three-dimensional. And if a putter was legal uh, to have a 90-degree angle between the shaft and the putter head, but it's not. You have to have some angle. If it was 90 degrees, sure, straight back and straight through, that's great. But that's croquet. Right. Some sort of arc. And it's not, I don't call it an arc because still people think of that as along the ground. It's a swing path. Okay. You have a swing path. Do you have a swing path through your driver? Yeah. Okay. It comes up and inside, Right. back down to square, ideally, and then up and inside. Well, the putter is just a much more upright one. Mm-hmm. So it, it comes in and up a little bit, square a little bit in and up a little bit. And when the left shoulder goes straight down and straight up, that's what happens. Well, it's funny how, speaking of, who said it? I think it was Bobby Jones, that the putting stroke is not intended to be an act of hitting the ball, but rather a feeling of sweeping it along the green like a little broom. Which is sending it. Yeah, sending it. So we've got two minutes. Doc, we're going to have to bring you back maybe to talk about the short game as a whole because 40 minutes is not enough time with our our guy doc but a lot of good let's, nuggets here though <laughs> let's finish with this before i give you the floor to give people a final message either reiterating what we've already gone over or giving them something we didn't have a chance to i just want to remind people really quick i want people to really take a step back and reflect on what i described of someone yipping short putts filled with fear every time they step on a green all doc did was change your job and it changed the feeling And if you just keep doing your job, suddenly fear turns into confidence. And maybe a really bad putter says, I'm a really good putter. And that's the power of this show and what you do, Doc. So that's what I wanted to say to like really ground people in the power of it. But then I want to give you the floor of anything you think we didn't, we need to finish on that people need to understand. I want to go further and and, uh, take it out of just correcting the negative, but even good putters that have been taught this, have said they got even better because it took the pressure off. 
pressure that they were putting on themselves to hold the putt and they change their job, go, oh, I can do this. I'm struggling to do that, to get it in the hole, but I can get it started. And then when the pressure started coming off, they found themselves rolling better putts because there wasn't so much tension. Mm -hmm. And when the tension is out, then the, the, the stroke is smoother and the smoother stroke put better rolls on the ball. And they found that they were holding more putts. The other thing I want to mention is, uh, especially for competitive golfers, is patience. There's something called the law of large numbers. If I toss a coin, it's going to come up heads or tails about 50% of the time. So if I toss it a thousand times, I'm going to get roughly 500 heads and 500 tails. But they're not going to come alternating. They're going to go in runs. So you can roll great putts the whole front nine and nothing seems to go in. If you don't change, if you just stay with your process, learn from it about reading for the break and the pace on that course, but just keep your process going, you don't know, suddenly on the back nine, three or four out of the nine do fall in and it can go between rounds. There are pros who shot a 62 and then a 72. And they said, to be honest, I hit it better on the second day. Just the first day, they all fell in. Second day, they all lipped out. But over the long haul, you will have a better chance of holding the putt if you make your putt by getting it started on the path you wanted, at the pace you wanted, with the stroke you wanted. And then if it goes in, you get rewarded. If it doesn't, you learn from it and get better but you don't get discouraged because you felt good about the way you sent it on its way. Instead of changing right. things and putting compensation on top of compensation, and then, and then you, we lose ourselves by the back nine. Then you won't get your 50, 50 chance. Yeah, exactly. Right. Then it turns into 80, 20 and all those things. Right. Well, right. guys, if you don't have Zen golf or how to make every putt or Zen putting, you got to get it. My favorite books in the mental game. And really in general, drjoeparent.com, Amazon, you have, you do meditations on YouTube as well as Dr. Joe Parent on Instagram, anywhere else you want to send people? Either zengolf.com or Dr. Joe, it, and it's D-R-J-O-E, and you can, you can post it on the, on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, I do want to say again, that we did a, a little Zoom clinic together and I do Zoom lessons and believe it or not, putting lessons. I just have the players lean their phone or their iPad against the bag. And I do Zoom putting lessons all over the world. Amazing. You're welcome to join in and, and do that. And then it's great to talk with you guys. And I love to be able to share this because I want people to suffer less, when they, especially when they get on the greens and feel better about their putting by focusing on doing their job of getting the ball started. Love it. Oh, great wisdom today, Doc. Pleasure to see you. Before great to be with both of you guys. Let's do it again before too long, okay? Let's do it. All right. All thanks, right. Doc. Take care. Bye-bye.